0: some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that.
1: Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay. Good luck.
0: You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What, what is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday and I woke up in Cleveland and I'm going, how much worse can it get?
2: When the world is on your shoulders And the wind is getting colder And you cannot seem to find your peace of mind You start to feel like nothing matters One more fall and you might shatter Every day you find a mountain you can't climb And all of these things you've been through The dreams that you said goodbye to You wonder where this leaves you now Oh, as long as you keep on fighting I swear there's a silver lining You're gonna see the sun come out You gotta give it time Gotta give it time You're gonna be alright Gotta give it time Gotta give it time And you got the rest of your life With the darkness finally fading You can start another painting Fill the day with all the colors of your life We show up and do our best We never know what happens next I hope it's easy Where there's a silver lining We're gonna see the sun come out, oh
3: Welcome to episode 286 of the Hoots Podcast. We are 14 episodes away from the eclipsing 300 mark of a podcast that I didn't think would last a year. It's yours truly and the nefarious brother Adam, a.k.a. Josh Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media, hashtag free the Hoots Podcast. Make sure you hit hit us up on Instagram at Josh Lopez 94 or at Josh Lopez Music if you want to see me do guitar covers. Um, I've been having a lot of fun. Pick it up at the guitar again and uh, post a new cover. So go check it out uh, if you can. Also, do me a quick favor, please. Bookmark ProWrestlingTranscripts.com, the number one source of all results and this accurate information in professional wrestling. Make sure to bookmark Pro Wrestling Transcripts. And um, I have literally a transcript for all your favorite televised shows here in the U.S. and all your shows from uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And um, today I got NXT UK on the docket. I got a World Tag League show from New Japan that I got to do later on today because it's going to be uploading on video on demand on New Japan World and then Impact Wrestling tonight. And the crowd <laughs> doesn't stop, pal. But I'm having a lot of fun, and I'm thank- th- thankful and grateful for all of you who've been supporting this podcast, as always. I um, uh, found out today that we're almost up to 375,000 downloads um Anchor, was pretty cool. So, thank you all for the support. If you want to support the Hoots podcast in that way, all you have to do is to either follow us on Spotify or subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. It really does help expand the reach of the show. And more importantly, myself and Brother Carter want to gauge your feedback on what you guys like or dislike about the podcast. So, if you can do that, it would mean the world to us. So, all that being said, um, that's pretty much it for plugs. Um, got yeah, what the hell is wrong, with AW today, which should be pretty interesting, and we're introducing something very new today in the WWE segment, and you gotta wait for that, which is gonna be epic. Uh, it may be the funniest bit we've ever done here on the Who's Podcast. <laughs> so, uh, as Hawks Harrison would say, sit back, strap it down, and get your popcorn ready, because. Episode 286 of the Hoots Podcast starts now. All right. We're going to start us off with the Good Birds Q&A session. As always, if you want to participate in the Good Birds Q&A session, all you have to do is hit us up at Twitter at Josh Lewis Media or email your boy at podcast at gmail.com. Basically, the drill is pretty simple. This is our Q&A session. I am open to suggestions so we can, name it, we can change the name of this segment because the good for nothing brothers are not helping our cause here. So um, I'm open to suggestions for any new names for this QA segment. Um, anyway, um, let's get to it. Um, as always, you can ask questions about wrestling, sport, life, relationships, anything that's on your mind. We're not afraid to talk about anything here on this podcast. And that's what we're here for, and uh, we're having a real-life conversation. I want you to feel like I'm sitting next to you, and we're just shooting shit about professional wrestling. That's the charm of this podcast. We've been going strong for six-plus years, and um, let's have some fun, shall we? We're going to start this off with a good bird, Chris Zaletta, as we always do at X Xteens, Letter 24 All right, here we go. Um, what up, Boots? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. Um... Dots on MLB heading towards a lockout. Oh, <laughs> right off the bat, we're gonna go straight for the juggler, pal. Um, okay, so when it comes to uh, MLB going on a lockout, um, it's just it's it's one thing after another with baseball. And I tried my best to uh, not go. Off on commissioners and stuff. i really not like that big sports fan. I mean, you can tell a did shit from a mile away. But Rob Manfred is definitely in that category. Uh, same thing with Roger Goodell. But like, just when you think baseball starts like trying to gain some more momentum? Like, you know, you yeah, had like the Field of Dreams um, feature last year, which was really cool. Uh, you get some more popular players rise up through the ranks. And then something like this drops at the top of that. You know, everybody's been buzzing about all these new, excuse me, all these acquisitions during the off season. All this money spent. I mean, like Texas Rangers. I didn't know you had that much money in you. Jesus Christ, five hundred million dollars for two players. Then you get into a lockout. <laughs> so first off, obviously the situation is flu. We don't know when this lockout's going to end now. And, you know, a lot of people are wondering why certain teams are not making moves right now and blah, 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 blah. Well, we're in a uh, league that doesn't know what the hell they're doing half the time. So you never know if you're going to have baseball, if you're not going to have baseball, if there's going to be shenanigans with uh tipping pitches or if the ball's at the right level or umpires are checking out the legitimacy of a glove and – cork bats and HGH and all this no- other nonsense that just takes away from the fun of the game. Um I-, I just think it's embarrassing. Um the fact that millionaires need to get in the way of the fans enjoyment of said sport because they can't handle their business the right way. It's just embarrassing to be honest with you. I hate I seeing that I don't like seeing leagues being on lockdown because billionaires are so stuck in their head and got egos this, the size of the Grand Canyon. I, I hate seeing that type of stuff. I really, really do. It's just, it's really unfortunate because that should never be the case that a professional league would go on a lockout like that. I, I just, I don't know. It's it's kind of embarrassing. But, hey, that's MLB for you. Um, Next question. <laughs> Best advice to someone appearing on a podcast for the first time next week? Well, Chris, I'll say to you, buddy, I say the same thing to everybody that asks me this. You have to be yourself at the end of the day. The Josh Lopez you're hearing right now is the same Josh Lopez you would hear and see if I was talking to you in person. Uh, I don't change for anybody. I don't march to the beat of anybody else's drum but my own. And when you go out in the pockets, don't feel like you have to be, try to act like you're prim and proper. You know, there's a lot of people that go to school for this. I went to school for broadcasting, but that doesn't make me feel like I'm better or at a higher level than other people. You know, I was a shy kid growing up in high school, you know, being reeking, having dyslexia, you know, having next to nothing of confidence or self-confidence, you know, it's not easy coming here and talking, but my main takeaway, whenever I'm doing a podcast, I want you guys to at least gain some type of life lesson for me. And, Hopefully, I open your eyes to a different way of looking at certain things. But at the end of the day, you're going to get me. Whether you agree or disagree with what I have to say, you're going to get the best of me. And I'm going to speak for myself. I'm going to speak for my heart. And that's all I, That's all you can do when it comes to podcasting or any broadcasting in general. Just be yourself. you got to be genuine. Because if you're going to try to put out an act on and try to impress the host or whatever, that's that's not the name of the game. shit. There should be no politics in podcasting. It's kind of stupid, if you know what I mean. Just like there should be politics or thumbing your n- nose down to any type of workplace. But, hey, this is the the life we live in, right? Uh, I got to say, man, just, you know, have fun. Have fun. And if there's times where you slip up and mess up words or whatever, that's fine. If, there, if you find yourself, you know, dropping a couple F-bombs or whatever in, along the way, hey, it's a podcast, it's not a radio show. So I'd say, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't feel like you have to have anxiety when it comes to being a podcast. Embrace it. Have some fun. Speak for yourself. More importantly, I think that's the way you're going to resonate with people that listen to podcasts is if you speak for yourself. And uh, we've been doing this for six years for this podcast, and I've been doing this for broadcasting and stuff for almost 10 years now. So I just tell you, my man, have fun with it and just be yourself. That that'd be my advice. All right, next question. Uh NXT 2.0's four pillars. That, that's a very interesting question. Um I'll go with uh broadbreaker, uh Tony D'Angelo. Cora Jade, and have you met Ted? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, number four. That's you got a lot of options there. To be honest with you, I I, I did say uh, Braun Breaker, Tony D'Angelo, Cora Jade, and then. I mean, you you could go – you know, I'll go with Carmelo Hayes. Why not, right? Carmelo Hayes, uh, I'm sure I'll get a lot of effect if I didn't mention him. So, Braun Breaker, Tony D'Angelo, Cora Jade, and Carmelo Hayes. You got versatility with Carmelo Hayes. You got your female representation with Cora Jade. You got character in Tony D'Angelo, and you got superstar of Brickhouse uh, in Braun Breaker. So, I would have Braun Breaker, uh, Cora Jade – um, Tony D'Angelo and Carmelo Hayes. There you go. That's my four pillars of NXT, pal. Take it or leave it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Alright, next question. Is Andrade a shell of his old self from his NXT days? Uh, I just think uh, Andrade is overrated. Um, if that bothers you, please be offended. I I love this slogan that I I heard from Hoodie last year. Uh, it's like new thing he was adopted. In 2021, be offended. <laughs> If, if that bothers you, if you feel, if you're offended by the fact that I think Andrade Alidalo is overrated in the ring, please be offended. It, it has no, it has no effect on me whatsoever. He is, he's just overrated. I, I, for the amount of wrestling that I watch and the amount of wrestling that I cover, there's nothing unique about him. There isn't. I see the same style from him from any other promotion around the world. Uh, the you know maybe his thing with the mask and his answers, is cool or whatever. I know he was part of Lij in the past, but there's really nothing else to him. Yeah, he's a great athlete. He can do all the moves that everybody else does, but there's nothing unique to him. His promo stuck. He comes off like Alberto Del Rio. I don't, I don't even call Andrade Alito that. I call him Andrade Del Rio 2.0. That's what he is. That's all he is. So I I you know, you know, if you're a mark for him, that's cool. But for me, I think he's overrated. Highly, highly overrated. Um, great question though. Let's see what see, got here. Let's see if I got any questions here. Um all right, next one. Uh, he says, Who do you have winning the World Tag League in New Japan? Great question. Um Man, there's, there's a lot of good options, obviously. You know, the, the funny thing with Japan is that New Japan, they have their champions compete in the tournaments. Usually you would think if you have like a round-robin tournament or any type of tournament, you would have people going for the number one contender spot, right? But in New Japan, whereas the New Japan Cup or the G1 or the World Tag League or even the best of the Super Duties, they have their champions competing in the tournament, so Right now we have Naito and Sonata and Dangerous Tackers tied at first place, right, with five wins. And, you know, they have they're having a a match today actually, uh, which I'm going to be covering later on. So I'm curious to see how that goes. And um, I think right now I can see either Naito and Sonata or GLD finding a way to sneak in. Um, I'm just very curious how that go. Uh, Maybe they would do something where it could be a triple threat match for the tag titles at uh, Russell Keith the 16. If not, uh, I, I'll i probably go with uh, Naito and Sadata to win um, the World Tag League. But it's been fun covering the tournament so far, both of them. And I'll talk about that a little later on in the podcast. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, the World, Series, World Tag League has been a lot of fun to uh, document, if you will. All right. Next question. Who wins the war Game matches on Sunday? Uh, You'll have to hear that in the WWE segment, my my friend. Um, (laughs) Do you think Miz and Edge would be a one-off or there'll be more to this program? I'm here for this one. Um, You know what, uh, Chris, I'll I'll say this. I think that um, Miz and Edge, if they do do a one-off, I'm okay with that. I don't think this is something that goes off to WrestleMania or anything like that. Hell, even if you stretch this out to the World Rumble, Okay, that's fine by me, but um, either way, we'll get to this in the WWE segment, but like what Miz and Edge did on Monday was just absolutely phenomenal from a storytelling point of view, and um, man, Edge is doing some of the best work of his career right now, and I can't wait to talk about that a little later on. But I want to thank Chris for sending some questions this week, as always. Take a quick swig of water. Okay, next batch of questions this week comes from the good brother Patrick Fritz at Rated PWF. What's going on, my man? I'm sure you're happy with your Patriots ball knot right now, bastard. No I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, here's his wrestling question: uh, Thoughts on Punk and Edge versus Edge and Miz promos? Why does one company need to copy the other? Uh, I mean, you could ask you can ask the same questions with a variety of things that people do in wrestling. Uh, We could come up with a zillion examples to the Cosm home. Uh, I mean, how long has professional wrestling been on television? And we've seen everything including 500 kitchen sinks (laughs) as far as from a creative point of view. Um, I mean, I think their promos are different in their own way. Um, You know, CM Punk and MJF's deal is about the fact that MJF calls this. He says, like, you know, um, he's like the top pillar at AEW. There's nobody in this world. He's better than everybody, and they know it. CM Punk calls himself the best of the world. They have clashing, you know, tiffs over their status in the company. You know, this is a little different between Edge and The Miz. I think it's more off of respect than competition and ranking. Um, You know, that was my takeaway from their promo on Monday. And I'll say more in the WWE segment. But I just think they're two different – they have two different incentives in the promo. Yeah, I get it. Miz was mentioned in the MGF Prunk promo. Edge said that Punk bringing up MGF, uh, Punk bringing up Miz was for a cheap reaction. Uh, you know, we can do that song and dance to the cows at home. And <laughs> I don't, I don't even need to get started with the double standards that come <laughs> with wrestling today. So we're not going to get into that. But it's a good question. Uh, next one from Pat. This is an NFL question. Thoughts on the season as a whole so far. Surprises, disappointments besides the Bears. Uh, no, I, I, nothing with the Bears surprises me, so we can get that out of the way. Uh, surprises for me. I'm surprised by how inconsistent the Chargers are. And I'm not going to come on here and be one of these hot take guys or whatever, but, you know, everybody can hold off their horses with Justin Herbert in the Hall of Fame stuff. I, you can simmer down with that for a little bit. Um not surprised by the Vikings. I, like I said in the SE football preview show that we did earlier uh, a couple months ago, um, I felt like the Vikings are just a team that's in football hell. They they do a couple good things here. They win games they shouldn't win on the road. Um, they sink the bed at home on uh, prime time, and I think Mike Zimmer needs to go. Um other surprises, believe it or not, Pat. I'll this. I'm surprised by how good the Patriots are playing. Not for the fact that Bill Belichick is coach. I understand that, but just to the level of how good the team is, and and it's just a good reminder of what the NFL is as a whole. Doesn't matter who's on your team. Doesn't matter how many All Stars you have on your team. LA Rants. Uh, this game is about matchups and having a team and having a team mindset and not driven by analytics. You look at the Patriots roster, they don't have all stars all over the place, but guess what? They still find a way to still be the number one defense in football and find a way to run the football and play effective football instead of relying on analytics and trying to get highlight plays on sports centers. So I I think the Patriots are definitely a surprise for, for where they were last year to where they are now. It has to be considered a surprise. I mean, six wins in a row. That, that 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 really shocked me. Uh I'm not I'm not surprised by the Cardinals. Um I knew they were gonna be good heading into this season. Uh I think disappointments you could probably say the Seahawks. obviously the Seahawks that are three and eight. Uh freaking Sip Wilson cost me my matchup with Andrew Baydala. I'm going to get you one of these days, my man. I'm going to get you. <laughs> one day I will beat the uh, the the New York Stooge in fantasy football. I will make that happen. I was this close. And then, oh, my God, man. Don't get me started on Monday Night Football. But um, <laughs> let's see. Disappointments. I, I think the Steelers, you know, they – they out, they got off with a great part. Uh, they got a great start to their season last year. You know they had like they like eleven and one or something, and then they just bought them out from there. This year they're just like five hundred at best. I I don't get it, man. Uh, shout out to E Insert on Twitter. You know when it comes to the Steelers defense, there's only one thing you have to do: pick them up and put them down. Put them down. <laughs> so um, I. Those, those are the teams that come off the top of my head. Uh, surprises. Um, is there any other ones that surprised me so far? No, not really. That That's pretty much it. Uh, but that's a good question. Uh, the life question from Pat this week, he says, thoughts on the new Omicron COVID variant. Do you see the pandemic ending before the end of 2022? I'm not going to put an estimate or a timetable when this stuff is going to end. I don't know when it's going to end. The fact that people are still trying to act like this thing still doesn't exist is kind of funny to me, but we live in a world of you-know-what. Uh, so <laughs> I My my thoughts on it is that uh, it's unfortunate that we have these variants, and the scene seems to continue to linger on and linger on, and God knows when this thing is going to end, Um and I just hope everybody's being precautious with themselves and being safe, and hopefully we will have some type of resolution to this thing. So, yeah, um, th- th- those are my thoughts. Today. It's just unfortunate that these like new variants come out, and I'm seeing that uh, cities are elevating their positive tests and stuff. It's just it's sad. Um, thanks for the questions this week, Pat, my my man. I appreciate you as always. The last batch of questions this week comes from the good brother Nate the Great at Psycho Magiri. Make sure you follow my Twitter, uh, my friends. He's a good dude. Um, what is your favorite and least favorite part of living in Chicago? Man, that's a loaded question. <laughs> what, what, what's my favorite part of living in Chicago? Um, i well, I'll say the obvious, obviously, the majority part of my family lives here. So, um, you know, get to see my mom's side of the family when I go visit them or when I go hang out with my dad's side of the family, it's always cool to see them. But, um, you know, going to, like, the, the big uh, arenas in the city, is I, I've i always enjoyed over the years. Like, um, I always say, like, the All-State Arena, a.k.a. the Rosemont Horizon, is, like, my second home to me. <laughs> I always told myself as a kid, like one day I'll call a wrestling show at the All State Arena. And I will make that happen. I will make that happen. And you know, going to the United Center for events, you know, getting to see an Eagles concert, which is really cool. Um, I see I got to be at the United Center show when CM Punk uh showed up at AEW. That was a really cool moment. Um the food of course, that's saying the obvious. <laughs> uh, can't go wrong with the food. The waterfall is good as well, uh, in case anybody's wondering. Um, but you know, what else I love about the city is just uh, the at the core of it, what it represents is that uh, we live and act through our actions, and we live by our word, and we. Be at our own drum and not at the beat of others. And uh, what I love about the city, like CM Punk says, he could try to knock us down, he could try to underestimate us, but we'll always find a way to supersede any uh, barriers or ceilings he put in front of us. And uh, that's what I love about the city. I love the passion for the sports teams here. You know, some Chicago sports fans try to act like they're New York sports fans, and it's just annoying to hear sometimes on uh, sports talk radio. But um, you know, outside that, my the least favorite thing that uh that I have when it comes to living here is obviously the gun violence. Um, it's just absolutely embarrassing what's going on. Uh, there was a thing that came out today that. Uh, Chicago has tied the record for most homicides in the year since 1994. Now think about that. This year alone, we've had the most homicides in the city since I was born. I was born in 1994. And I can't believe the fact that people still need to find a reason to justify having guns and killing people for what? The fact that we, the fact that gangs are still a thing in this society is just fucking pathetic, to be honest with you. Because, uh, the fact that you need guns to try to solve a conflict or anything like that is just freaking ridiculous. And, um, that's probably the main thing that I hate about this city. You know, everybody can complain about the taxes and uh, the traffic or you know, the weather. The weather is what it is for me. I really don't have a feeling one way or another about the weather. I've been living here my whole life. I'm kind of callous to it at this point. Um, but, you know, I, as so much as I wear this city on my sleeve and in my heart, um, I feel like I've had my feel of living here. And I would hate to say that my life was cut short because of stupid gun violence or somebody wanted to act like an idiot and ruin somebody's life because, their life is so fucking pathetic, you know. Um, I, the the gun violence and all the killings and stuff here is my least favorite part of the city, for sure. All right. Um, next question Who do you guys see win a championship first? Bears or White Sox? I'll go with the Bears because I was not born in 1985, so <laughs> I wasn't there when the Bears won a title. I didn't get to see the Bears in the Super Bowl in 2007, but. That was a wash um, That game did not go our way And it wasn't going to go our way anyway uh, So um, uh, The same, same that I did see A Bears Super Bowl victory Would be really cool So I, I, I got to see the White Sox win uh, When I was younger When I was 11 actually when the Man 16 years ago Jeez Time goes by fast guys Gotta enjoy it Um Next question. I think I know, but would you have, what would have been your reaction if CM Punk went to Impact or NWA? Um, To be honest with you, I would never think that C. A. Punk would show up to Impact and, you know, all due respect to Impact and continue on, you know, they're like the company that will never die, but uh, C. A. Punk showing up in Impact would have next to nothing of an impact. Pardon the pun. No, pun intended, actually. Um, if Punk showed up in the NWA, I think that'd be kind of cool. You know, he was like a, a student of the game like myself. He loves the old school stuff, uh, professional wrestling. So seeing him in that environment would have been cool. But his showing up on impact, I just didn't think it would make a difference. So, um, unless it was like New Japan or in AEW, uh, I, I don't think if Punk was going to show up anywhere else. So he probably landed up where he wanted to be. And if that's the case, then I'm happy for him. Um, next question. Uh, from Nate here, he says, "Why do you think the cruiserweight division has been as prom- prominently featured? At least I don't think it has been, and it hurts because I love Roddy." Well, it's a little different. Um, I think 125 Live they've been doing a better job of having Roddy on the shelves stro- on the shows more often, but I think with AC2.0 they're trying to. Establish and showcase the diamond mine as a group more than okay. Here is the cruiserweights, and we're having cruiserweight matches all the time and stuff like that. Uh Two hundred five live has changed a lot since I I've I've covered every single edition of two hundred five live, and it's changed. It's not the same anymore. It's not the high flying action anymore. It's really a developmental show for 2.0 and uh, you're getting female matches, you're getting guys with bigger size that are not 205 pounds, and, you know, they're doing different stuff each week. Um, But I guess uh, it's just a change of philosophy in the company. I don't think they feel like having that Ring of Honor style of wrestling, which they're uh, embracing and stuff at NXT in the past, is something that they want to promote anymore. And that's that, That's in their right to do what they want. I don't have to agree with it, but it is their company at the end of the day. And if they don't want the wrestling style to be indie, hot spot, generic wrestling that you see from all other promotions, then that's their prerogative. I'd um, i, I would like to see more um, stuff, more Cruiserweight style matches. But, you know, you get it here for there. You still have Santos Escobar. There's still some good matches here and there. But um I think like the two oh five live of the past it's probably gone for now. I don't know if we'll ever have another uh Cruiserweight classic. I w- I would love to see it. I think it would be cool to have another Cruiseway classic. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Um but you know that's my thoughts on that. And then um let's see what else we got here. Is there a match you ever watch when you're feeling sad? Um that's an interesting one. Um, you know, i I've said it before. Whenever I'm feeling sad, I always go to music. I I don't know if there's ever been somewhere I went to a match to pick up my spirits. If anything, I'd probably go back and, like, watch an old segment from The Rock to make me laugh or whatever if I was feeling sad. But, man, that's a good one. i will let to know your answer, your answer to this question, Dave, because... Um, and anybody that's listening, is, is there a match you go to when you're feeling down or bored or whatever, depressed? Is there any match you go and like, hey, I need to watch this so I can pick up my spirits? If there was one for me, I would go back if I just needed to pick up my energy or anything like that. It'd probably be, um, see a pocket John Cena for Money in the Bank, obviously, for obvious reasons. Or, um, The Undertaker, and Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 25. That would probably be my two matches that I would pick from there. Um, Yeah, I'd love to know your guys' questions. Is there a match or a pay-per-view you would go and watch if you're feeling sad or bored or whatever? I'd I'd love to know that. Um, Next question for Nate. He says, what is your favorite part of transcribing matches? Um, My favorite part of transcribing matches is just the challenge of it and the process of going into it and you know, I'm trying my best to give justice to what the performance is in the ring. Obviously, I'm not behind the scenes. I'm not in the backstage area having the conversations with him, uh, having conversations with the performers when they're laying out their matches. I'm not, with my website, it's not to act like I know more than I do. Uh, it's a outlet tool of, you know, one me trying to study the moves and stuff like that in sequences as I want to be a play-by-play guy in wrestling. And it also is a website that I want it to be as a point of reference for people. And uh with the way I make the transcripts, I want when you're reading the transcript and especially the the match part of it, uh I want you to feel like you can see it through what's written in the transcript. You know, it's. I know there's moves and paragraphs and stuff like that, but the goal for me is hopefully you can visualize your head what the match looks like if you don't have the time to see it, basically. And I try my best to make it as descriptive as possible, maybe too descriptive, uh. but, you know, what? I I leave no stone unturned when it comes to the transcripts, and I gave the same amount of effort to any show that I cover – whether it's a WWE show or a W show or new Japan show, I give the same amount of effort for a transcript point of view. And I'm, I'm giving respect to the forms of the ring. I'm giving respect to the referees. I'm giving respect to the agents that produce the match. Uh, it's, it's the outlet to for a lot of things. It's there for you guys to use it as a point of reference for your podcast or anything like that, or, you know, you need to catch up with the shows. And then for me personally, uh, I, again, this is a favorite part of it, it's like I like the challenge. If there's a match that I think could uh probably test me, uh from a stylistic point of view, I look forward to that, you know? Um you know, there's there's a lot of great matches out there. And I I like the challenge. I like the challenge of, you know, being tested to do different style of matches with different style of performers. And I feel like I've um you know, I I would say humbly, I feel like I'm at the top of my game when it comes to transcribing wrestling matches and stuff like that because I I put the time into it, I study it, and I feel like there's not a wrestling style that I can't tr- transcribe or at least try to document and study it properly. And I like the challenge of you know, here's the show, here's the matches, document it and give it to the people, and. I, hopefully, I do a good, jo- good job with that, and I hope you guys enjoy the transitions I put out there. So uh, That's uh, that's another good one, my man. Um, last batch of questions here for Nate this week. He says, do you like the pay-per-view schedule for next year? Uh, are, are you talking about the WWE one? Um, let me pull it up while we're talking here. WWE pay-per-views. Okay. I know AW's kind of uh had their thing where it's uh, it like four or five reviews a year I think. And then they I think with uh their move to TBS you could do like quarterly specials and stuff on um TNT. You no, know, it's funny. I'm looking at the um WWE's uh review schedule right now and on Wikipedia And um, they actually have a pay-per-view in the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Shout out to uh, Chris Letta there. They actually have a pay-per-view the day after my birthday. So I guess my birthday is on a Saturday this year. Wonderful. Yeah. No, wait a minute. No. (laughs) Uh, So I'm looking at it right now. I have no idea what the pay-per-view is going to be in Chicago on June 5th. Uh, it's a damn shame that our city is being uh, bamboozled when it comes to pay-per-views. Uh, the fact that we still haven't had a Royal Rumble is freaking embarrassing. Um, but, you know, with my thoughts with them doing more shows at stadiums, I think it's cool. Obviously, they're having Money in the Bank at, uh, at the Raiders' place. They're having SummerSlam in uh, Nashville. That'd be cool. That'd be cool to ch- uh, go to Nashville for the first time and check out some That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, my only complaint, honestly, selfishly for myself living here in Chicago, is so that we get a bigger day pay-per-view. But I don't think we'll ever have a Royal Rumble unless C-Puck ever showed up back in WWE. So that probably is what it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, of the ones you've seen, what do you think is the best match in Wrestle Kingdom history? Oh man. Man, that's a tough one. Um <laughs> That's a real tough one, man. Um I know a lot of people go with o- uh, Okada and Omega, but I think for me, I, I it goes back to the first Wrestle Kingdom main event that I ever transcribed was Okada and Tanahashi from Wrestle Kingdom nine. Uh that's still one of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, you know, I can pick out Jay White and Kota Ibushi from last year. Um, their match was f- fucking phenomenal. Forty eight minutes. Um Ishii and Makabe had a, a four on clinic, I think uh, it was a couple years ago. Um Man, that's that's a tough one, man. <laughs> that, that really is a tough one. Man. That J.Y. Kota Ibushi match was absolutely insane. Um, Okada and Osprey from uh, this past year's Wrestle Kingdom was f- fantastic. I have to say, for me, for the ones that I've transcribed so far, Okada and Tanahashi is probably the best match I've ever seen. Uh, it was just phenomenal. Um, Last question here for Nate this week. He says, who would you like to see with the Royal Rumble next year? Well, I got two people for you, my man. I got Drew McIntyre and I got... We had... SmackDown won it last year, right? So, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do Drew McIntyre And Liv Morgan will win the Royal Rumble. You never know. Maybe Bianca does a a back-to-back deal. If she does, she'll be the first female performer to ever win back-to-back Royal Rumble. Um, Or maybe you have a return of somebody that we haven't seen on television in a while. Maybe Bailey comes out and wins the Royal Rumble. If she's medically cleared by that time, do it. Do it. Hopefully it would work out. I think it would be awesome. Um, not good no other injuries are happening towards this WrestleMania because last time they were in J-World, like half of their roster is out with injuries. So, um, yeah, I'll go with uh, Drew McIntyre and um, Bayley. If not, I'll go with maybe Liv Morgan and Kevin Owens. That'd be my picks from there. Hell, I, I wouldn't even mind if Bobby Lashley won a Royal Rumble. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But I want to thank Chris, Pat, and Nate this week for the questions this week, boys. You guys killed it as always. As always, if you want to participate with the Good Bars a session, all you have to do is hit us up at Twitter at Josh Lopez Media or email me at the who'spodcast at gmail.com. Uh, When we come back for this next commercial break, when we come back, I'll talk about what happened this week in WWE right here on the Hoots Podcast. I am in Strong Island.
0: And there is a whole new set of opponents that I can sink my teeth into. Like AJ Styles. Kevin Owens. Finn Balor. Damian Priest. Big E. It's really exciting because it, it, everything's wide open. Quiet on the set. Can we please... Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh my God, oh my God. Could it
2: be? I think it is. Oh, no. Oh, ho, ho, ho. like Christmas came early, guys! I mean, oh! say it ain't so. It's even
0: better than awesome! The Miz has tangoed back to Raw! I am an era-defining superstar, and I deserve respect! You think I'm coming out here so I can place myself in the main event picture? Six months ago, I was WWE champion! When's the last time you held a major title edge? Oh, That's right. You were the opening match when I was main eventing against John Cena at WrestleMania. You were great, Edge. Don't get me wrong. You were great in this ring. And you have a career that most superstars only dream of. But I surpassed you long ago. And in my opinion, this time, you should have stayed home for good. So, so you come out here, you, you verbally attack me. You say I, I should hang it up, that I'm dancing with a body that can't hang anymore. And, and you know what? You're right. I, I can't do this for much longer. The window is small, but I fought with every fiber of my being to get this small window back. And everybody in that locker room... I'm the guy that they want to stand across the ring from to test themselves. Because they respect me and I respect them for that. That's mutual respect, something that you know nothing about. You have people on other shows saying your name just just to get a cheap reaction. You live rent free in a lot of heads. You built yourself an empire. You got a mansion in the Hollywood Hills. You got a beautiful family. You made it further. You made it higher than anyone ever thought you would or could, except for you. You thought it, you believed it, you made it happen. But the big difference between you and I is that I fought with every fiber of my being to get this small window back. Where you, you use this to get notoriety for your next endeavor. For your next reality show. For your next dance competition while you leave your partners high and dry to get fired. But you want to know the biggest difference between you and I. You come out here, you expect respect I earn it yeah you want to take those shades off you want to stare at me we can do this right now you want to do this right now I am daring you to jump jump let's do it right now Uh here we go Edge of the Miz on Monday Night Raw it's about to dance Dance. you want to dance with me you want to dance? You want to see us dance? Yes! Right now, it's about to pop off! No. Obviously, The Miz wants no part of Edge here tonight.
3: Hate to disappoint you there, Corey. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE you want to stay towards the end of segment because we got something brand new for you guys and something that you may be interested in partaking after I give you the uh, presentation. But beforehand, let's get into what happened this week in WWE. You just heard a segment right there, Edge and Miz from this past Monday night on Raw. I'll talk about it in a couple minutes, but let's track back and... Let's, let's go back to what happened this past Friday night on SmackDown, as uh, Pat McAfee would say. Uh, SmackDown this past week was in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the thread of the show this uh, past week was, is Brock Lesnar's suspension lifted? The show started off with Caleb Braxton trying to ask that question. And Paul Hammond came out. It's like, rumors and rumors. <laughs> and he says that you can't bring rumors to the tribal chief. And Roman Reigns, again, just killing another promo. Roman Reigns is the best <laughs> promo guy in the business today. It's not close. Uh, maybe, maybe Edge up, I should say not close. Uh, but Roman Reigns is in the class of his own when it comes to the promos. Um... Like, check out this part here. As a matter of fact, I'm running laps around this roster. It's getting embarrassing now. Management is getting desperate. What's the thing they did for tonight? A Black Friday Battle Royal to determine the number one contender to the head of the table? Come on. Battle Royal, elimination match, gauntlet match, three-way, four-way, five-way. It don't matter to me. How about we let three of them win tonight? How about of them could win because I'll smash them all, And I can do that because I'm the best of the best. I am the universal champion. I'm your tribal chief. And I'm the greatest of all time. And when my days are done around here, which should be sooner than later, the whole world will acknowledge me. Just top tier stuff. And then that threaded throughout the rest of the show, which got to the end of the show after Sammy uh, say won the Black Friday Invitational Battle Royal, um... It'll be uh Kayla came out and announced that Brock Lesnar's suspension has been lifted, and he'll be appearing on SmackDown uh tomorrow night as I'm recording this on a Thursday, so just good stuff there with Brock and Roman. Really enjoyed that. I thought the match this week from SmackDown was what it was. I mean the tag match with McIntyre and Hardy against Madcap Boss and Corbin was okay. I wish we got a little bit more time with Cesaro and Rich Holland. Um, really did enjoy the match with, uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi against, uh, Shayna Baszler and Natalia. I thought that was very good. Curious to see where they go next with, um, Charlotte Flair and Tony Storm. That looks like that's something that we can see at day one, possibly. Uh, you know, Charlotte had to embarrass <laughs> poor, poor, um, uh, Tony, uh, you know, driving that pie in her face, and um, by the way, happy belated Thanksgiving to everybody, hope everybody enjoyed their uh, Thanksgiving food, waterfall, and your Black Friday shopping as well, um, anyways, I thought Smackdown was decent this week, but it was more of the threat of the fact that um, um, Brock Lesnar's suspension is being lifted. And to give you another cliffhanger going into the next week's show. So you have Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman in the bloodline in the backstage area watching this battle royal while Kale is out there on the uh in the ring with Adam Pierce on the outside. You know, er- earlier in the show he was saying that you'd be very shocked to see Brock Lesnar back anytime soon. And the switcheroo around Brock Lesnar's suspension is lifted somehow, and he will be at SmackDown tomorrow. So I thought SmackDown was decent this past week. I wouldn't say it was great or horrible or anything like that. I just was an okay show. Um, but this week on the Who's podcast, I want to give praise to Monday Night Raw because when it comes to... Trying to form an identity coming off a draft and your former league, your new rosters, and getting yourself into new feuds, and trying to get a new feel for your show since we are still in a brand split, right? Um, I feel like for me, um, this edition of Monday Night Raw from the new UBS Arena in Long Island, New York, uh, was one of the best Raw episodes of the year. And if you want a idea or a template to use for raw shows with this new new stench of the new roster for Raw, this is the one to do it. Um, you know, the matches are fantastic. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, uh, Damian Priest and Apollo Crews for the USL, fantastic. Uh, RK Bro retaining against the dirty dogs for the raw taxi tiles. Fantastic. Um, you know, other stuff on the show, Um uh, we'll get to Edge and Miz in just a couple minutes, but, uh, Street Profits Alpha Academy, you had the 10 women tag match, and of course, uh, Kevin Owens, uh, against, uh, Big E in the main event, and here's another thread on the show, where you had, you know, Seth Rollins boasting that he has his one-on-one title shot, and I guess with, um... Adam appears and Sonya Deville, they really love the card subject to change theory, pal. <laughs> because um, if Kevin Owens beat Big E, he would get added to the match at day one. So now it'll be Big E putting his title in a triple threat match with Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. And that match is going to be awesome. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. Um, but let's really get to the crux of the good stuff for Raw this week. First off, we're going to start off with the Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan contract signing because I thought that was really good. And I mentioned this on Twitter. You know, in the name of the game of professional wrestling, one thing I have learned, and I've heard people say this a zillion times, especially JR, and my thoughts go out to JR. I hope he's feeling well and recovering from this cancer uh, treatment diagnosis that he announced a couple weeks ago. My thoughts are with you, JR. I hope you have a speedy recovery. Um, He always said... In the name in professional wrestling it's maximizing your TV time. It does not matter what's on a script. It does not matter if you're going over or putting somebody else over. You have to maximize your TV time. It does not matter if you're getting the mega push or you're feeling like you're being held down or whatever or buried. Uh, (laughs) The fact that I mentioned buried, I should be ashamed of myself for mentioning that because... People don't even know what to quantify what buried actually looks like. Um, <laughs> so, uh, when, it, when it came to the Becky and Liv segment, it was just phenomenal. It really got me excited for their match. Um, I, Liv was on another, by the way, Liv was on another level of waterfall-wise. Good on you, Bull Dallas. I'll just say that. Good on you. Um... You know I'm really excited for this match. And obviously, I think this feud will continue. They'll probably have some, um, probably like a DQ or something like that. I do not expect the title to change one way or another on Monday. I'll be really surprised by that. But I think it'll be a good match. And this is Liz's real first shot to have a big prime time match on TV next week. They'll have their time. It'll be a really good back and forth match. But I still find I think Becky will still find a way. To retain and silver main champion, and I still think the feud will continue. Just because Liv doesn't win the title on Monday doesn't mean that her doesn't mean that she won't get another title shot down the road. That's all I'm saying. So, um, and then Edge and the Miz. I'll say this again. I Shawn Michaels had a phenomenal second run in his career when he came back from his back injury, and that was documented in the late season of the Ruthless ruthless Aggression Era, which you can check out on Peacock right now on WWE Network. Uh, but, um, the thing with um, Edge right now is, I, I right now, his, I'll be honest with you, Edge did a lot of great things as a heel. As a heel. And, you know, the rated R era, and all the legendary stuff, his tag team, and all stuff from the answer. Maybe you can't eclipse that, but um, from a big face point of view and storytelling and the way he's been mapping out his matches and stuff like that. I think Edge is having just as good or even a better run right now than he was before he left and he had to uh, prematurely retire, you know. Uh, I, he's just clicking on all cylinders right now. And him being on Raw is a great thing. Uh, I It's an it's added boost to the show. Having Miz back is fantastic too. They're throwing singers back and forth to each other. You know, I got questions about this on um, uh, in the Q&A. Do I think this is a one-off? Yeah, it could be a one-off. It could be something that could stretch off to the Royal Rumble. But regardless, I think Miz and Edge are going to put on some good TV. Because one, they're good performers. Two... They're good at telling stories. And three, you got Edge. I think Edge would know in the best way to um, accentuate and highlight the good aspects of The Miz. So, I think Edge um, getting into this program, regardless of how long it's going to be, I think it's cool. And I think Edge... Like he said in his promo uh, on Monday, he has a lot going for him on Raw. There's a a whole batch of performance for him to uh, wrestle and have programs and feuds with and stuff like that. And I think Edge uh, being added to Raw is a great thing. And um, if you haven't seen the segment with Miz and Edge, go on your way to watch it. It was really good. Um, So... Really quick, I just wanted to give my shout-out to Raw because Raw gets dogged down a lot, and roughly so on most occasions. But uh, I thought this week Raw was the superior show than SmackDown uh, for me. Um, before we get to our big presentation, because I know a lot of people are waiting to listen to this, uh, I got a couple other things I wanted to mention really quick before we get into that. Uh, we have, coming up on Sunday... Is NXT Takeover War Games. That's right, we got NXT Takeover War Games came, taking place from the Capitol Wrestling Center in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we got five matches on the show. This is not a takeover, they're actually calling it NXT, uh, NXT War Games now. Takeovers, regular name of you, of it's all the same thing. You know the drill here. So, uh, we have the women's war game match. It's Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, Cord Jade, and Kaylee Ray against Dakota Kai and Toxic Attraction. This match is gonna be insane. Um, I'm really happy for Cord, the fact that her first big pay per view matches in a war games match, is is pretty cool. This be a lot of pressure in like for Gigi Dolan and Jc Jane. These, these are female performers. I know, uh, Gigi did a lot of crazy stuff in the indies. Uh, JC is not that well known or experience wise in the ring. So this is a big opportunity for both of them to make a name for themselves in this type of match. Um, you know, Mandy Rose being in the war games match. I like to see how that goes. You got the history with Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai, uh, Yos Rai always does crazy stuff. And then you got the X factor, which is Kaylee Ray. Does Kaylee Ray turn on somebody? And you know, whoever wins this match probably could be in line to fight Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship. So uh, this be this is a very interesting match. Um i probably see um team uh Raquel will win, but I think uh Kaylee Ray will win the match for the team, okay? Um I got Cameron Grimes being Duke Hudson in the hair versus hair match. They've been having a funny rivalry so far. And then um Here's the match I'm looking forward to. Imperium against Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner for the XC Taxi titles. I think uh, Imperium retains. This is probably Kyle O'Reilly's last show with the WWE. Um, There's been talks about his contract expiring soon. So now more than ever, I probably expect um, Kyle O'Reilly to lose here. Imperium retains. It should be a good tag match. But one way or another, Imperium will find a way to retain Uh, Same thing here. I got Roderick Strong beating Joe Gacy for the XC Cruiserweight Championship. Should be a good match. Um, I know some people are iffy or 50-50 on the Joe Gacy character. It's out there. He's doing something different. I'll give him that. But uh, I think Roderick Strong will retain here. And then how about this one? The story here. Team Black and Gold. Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and L.A. Knight against Team 2.0's Broad Breaker, Carmel Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Tony D'Angelo. So, you got the start here Team 2.0 versus Team Black and Gold. Broad Breaker will win this match for Team 2.0, dropping LA Knight for the Power Slam. Team 2.0 beats Team Black and Gold in the War Games match. That's my pick. So, those are my picks right there. A little preview for NXT uh, War Games coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to uh, typing that down. It should be a fun show to uh, document, if you will. <laughs> Alright. As always, before we get to our main event of our show, we always do a little preview for NXT UK. We got two title matches on the broadcast today. We got Miko Senamora putting the NXT UK Women's Championship on the line against Xia Brookside. Plus... You have Ilya Dragunov versus Rampage Brown for the NXT UK Championship. That match is going to be insane. (laughs) Literally, literally insane. Alright, before we get into uh, our main event segment, we got a couple things we need to mention here. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Have you heard about the highest rising university in the United States in 2021? Have you heard about it? It's new. Um, I got exclusive here on the Who's Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And folks, if have you haven't you heard about DSU, you're in for a treat, my friends. What is DSU, you may ask? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'd love to introduce you guys to something that I like to call dipshit University. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big round of applause for DSU, ladies and gentlemen. Yes! It's DSU Orientation Day! No! Alright, what... Oh, You may ask, Josh, what is Ditch Shit University? Well, I got a couple things I wanted to mention here. I made a little um, program, if you will, to outline... The things you expect from Dipshit University and the courses you may like to partake in. Now, for those who are listening to this, I want you to reach out to us on Twitter at Josh Media at Derek Stoughton and let us know what course you think should be added to DSU. So here we go. Here's our mission statement for Dipshit University. Here at Dipshit University, we take pride in clout chasing and having people speak for us. To be hashtag, now remember this, hashtag all DSU is the way to go. Being a dipshit is all exclusive, not just in the professional wrestling world, but in real life. For example, if you drive recklessly in Chicago during happy hour, you're probably a dipshit. If you're a Donald Trump supporter, you're a dipshit. If you think the Earth is flat, you're probably a dipshit. I could go on and on. Uh, if you use people to get back with your exes, you're a dipshit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I we could go on to the Costco one, but you want to know some of the courses? Are you guys curious to know what courses you may partake? You know, there, there's degrees, there's there's levels to our our university here. Uh, of degrees to get. Like, for example, uh, courses. Cloud Chasing 513 with Professor Sean Rossett. Uh Would you be uh, interested in partaking in Dipshit Media 101 with JD from New York? You know, uh, in Dipshit Media, you know, all you have to do is scream at the top of your lungs. Like, Bianca Belli doesn't deserve a fucking thing, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> you can... You can do the whole JD from New York routine and just lose your mind over everything WWE does. And then, oh, my God, thank you, Tony Khan, for being the greatest fucking booker of all time. Thank you for shoving it up Vince McMahon's ass. <laughs> um, or if you're in the cynical realm, if you're a person that has a glass half empty mindset, I, I would suggest taking Hate Watching 202 with Professor Brian Alvarez. Or, how about this, if you want to be a journalist, you know, you want to be a journalist, you want to be a media member, how about this, Dipshit Journalism 669 with Professors Dave Meltzer and Wade Keller. Not only you get Dave Seltzer as as our senior professor, but he also got Wade Keller too, his assistant. How about this, are you into conspiracies? Are you into... Dumb takes and things to stir pot where there's nothing that needs to be added to it. How about you take social studies and conspiracies 205 with Professor David Bixenspan? I would like to formally enroll all of Wrestling Twitter into DSU. Now, there's other classes you could take, like incompetent 401 with Rick Knox. In this class, you could learn everything that does when it comes to being an official for all elite wrestling how about this <laughs> um, in in glad handing 305 uh, not 305 in glad handing 306 you could hang out with Tony Shivani and he'll give you a full-length PowerPoint presentation when it comes to kissing ass and saying next to nothing on commentary. Um, I, we could go on and on to the Cowswell, but there's many of uh, options here and many classes for you to partake. Our fine uh, listeners of the Who's podcast. Hey man, I, I just call it like this. Dipshit University is gonna take the, it's gonna take over the nation. It's gonna sweep the new news headlines. Forget Notre Dame. Forget LSU. Forget <laughs> Alabama. Dipshit. Hell, even forget Hartford. Forget Harvard, okay? Forget Harvard. Right now, type in hashtag all DSU. Let me know who you think should be enrolled into Dipshit University. I mean, like, who, would, who wouldn't who want to take Dipshit Media 101 with JD through New York? Like, honestly, especially for those who listen to us here on YouTube. How about conspiracy theories? <laughs> Uh, we can't go out a day without some conspiracy theory about WWE doing something to try to lower down A.W., right? Uh, David Misman is the man for you right there. He fits that bill. Oh, man. there's The course is going on to the council, but, again, I want to read the mission, uh, mission statement here. Um, here we go. Here at Dipshit University, we take pride in cop chasing and having people speak for us. To be hashtag all DSU. Is the way to go. Hey, man! There's courses on snitch tagging, uh, subtweeting. Um, <laughs> again, uh, this is a lot of different options for you, and you could start a rolling right now. We'll start filling out applications as the months go by. Um, our official launch date will be uh, the next day of. Double or nothing for AEW. Um, so be on the lookout for that. But Dipshit University is uh, a school that I think a lot of people will be interested in partaking And maybe they're open to their eyes and understand that there's a world outside the bubble that they live in. Okay? So, you know, let me know. Is, is there a class that you think people should take? How about this? Standing 305 with the crew. The first time in college history, we have an entire fan base as your professors. You could, literally, you could, it's standing 305 with the crew, a.k.a. Sasha Banks fan base. It's standing 305 with the crew. You get everything. They'll tell you, and you can have tests. You can have... Four-year degree on standing on Sasha Banks, where Sasha Banks is the greatest performer in the history of professional wrestling. (laughs) I could go on and on. I don't want to waste you guys' time and do this all day. But honestly, my friends, check out DSU. Dipshit University is going to sweep the nations in 2022. And, man, I'm I'm very curious, man. Who... What other professors do you think would be a good fit for DSU? We're always open to suggestions. Um, um, <laughs> I, I really, I'm really curious to see the response to this. So, again, don't forget Dipshit University, a.k.a. DSU, right here on the Hoots Podcast. On that note, that's what happened this week in WWE. All right, guys. One more final piece of business to mention really quick before we get to what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. And boy, you guys are going to want to hear the intro this week for this <laughs> segment. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got a couple things going on outside of aw and WWE. We got, of course, we got the New Japan um, Best of Super Junior Tournament and World Tag League going on right now. Just wanted to update you guys what's going on with the standings in uh, the World Tag League as we uh, get ready for another weekend of articles and stuff for your boy. Um, S- Sonata Night Till tied up uh, 5-1. Zach Sabre Jr. and 5-1. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Yano. There's a big tie wave here for uh, third place here with uh, Tanahashi and Yano. The United Empire, G.O.D., uh, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi. Battle of Folly and Chase Owens. Evil and Yujiro have three uh, are three and three. Tenzan and Kojima are two and four. Nagata and tigermaster are one and five. And at the bottom of the barrel is Makabe and Homba at zero and six. And Minoru Suzuki and Takam Mishinoku, excuse me, at zero and six. And then for the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, by the way, if you guys haven't seen Hiromu Takahashi against El Fantasmo, go out of your way to watch it. It was fantastic uh, from Cork Hall the other day. I think it was on Monday that I typed that down. But uh, let's look at the standings for that uh, for that tournament. Right now we have Sho at the top of the leaderboard at 6-1. Uh, El Desperado 4-2-1. Taiji Jimari, uh with a three-way tie here with uh, Taguchi and Kanemuro at 4-3. Uh, Hiromo Takashi, three wins, three losses, and one draw. That draw is obviously with Al Desperado. Um, we have another tie here. here. Um, Robbie Eagles, El Phantasmo, Bushi, and Yo all have three wins and four losses. And at the bottom of the barrel is Master Wato and Doki at two and five apiece. So uh, that's the updated standings for the um, New Japan Best of Super Juniors tournament. And I also wanted to mention. Coming up on Saturday, got a pay-per-view that I got to cover. You know, it's been a crazy week for articles for for me this week. I actually transcribed a Harley Race Terry Funk match from 1977. It was a two out of three false matches from Houston Wrestling. I got to do that today. Uh, Not today, it was the other day. I got to do that for my NWA article. Uh, But. Coming up on Saturday, we have NWA Hard Times 2. It's the return of the NWA at the GPB Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. Here's the card for the show. We got Mickey James and Kira Hogan for the Impact Knockouts Championship. Kobe uh, Carino will be taking on Douglas Williams. Austin Aries against Rhett Tyson the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship Tournament Qualifying Match. The OGK against Aaron Stevens and Kratos for the ROH World Tag Team Titles. The Hex uh putting up their tag titles in the line in a triple threat match with Kaylee Ray and 2D Lynn and Lady Frost and Natalia Markova. Uh, Kristen Dodds will put his national uh championship on the line against uh Judas. Uh we got Camille against Melina for the NWA World World Women's Championship. I think that match is gonna be awesome. Uh La Rebellion taking on the end for the, the NWA World Team Titles. Tyrus in a no DQ no DQ match against Sion for the NWA World Television Championship. The Pope will be serving as a special guest referee. We got Jack Stane against Matthew Mims, uh, Nick Aldis against Thomas Ladder. If either man get the, if either man is disqualified, they'll be suspended for eight weeks. And then the main event for Hard Times Two is Trevor Murdoch. Against Mike Knox for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Just a big old hoss fight. And these guys are going to beat the shit out of each other. And I'm looking forward to it. So, (laughs) um, that should be a lot of fun. But I just wanted to update you guys what's going on outside of uh, AW and WWE. But enough of the chitter chatter. Let's give the people what they want. What they've been waiting for. What they've been needing in their life. Another brand new restaurant quality edition of what the hell is wrong with AEW? We're gonna start this bad boy off with Brother Carter, or as I should say, Sir Derrico here on the whose Pockets in a 3, 2, 1.
0: Beat your meat beat beat your meat beat your meat beat beat your meat beat your meat beat beat your meat beat, beat, your meat. beat your meat. Beat, beat your
1: meat. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Well, after a incredible promo last week that got almost 3 million views on youtube and rightfully so because the mjf and cm punk promo from last week was absolutely fantastic and i loved every bit of it uh, except the Miz comment i thought that was kind of weird but the rest of it was cool i actually didn't even mind the wwe references because it made it feel more personal so i actually didn't have a problem with that at all so that was great aew had a chance to build on that momentum and go forward and boy did they miss god this was an awful show this week let's get into it as per usual talk about the things i liked on dynamite this week and there were a few things great reception for hangman adam page when he first came out and completely well deserved i love adam page i think that he has superstar potential megastar potential i think he can be one of the top champions in the business i think he's that good so I love, I love me some Hangman Adam Page, and I can't wait to see his match with Brian Danielson in a couple weeks on uh, Winter is Coming. But we're going to get into Brian Danielson in just a moment. All right, Hoots Podcast listeners, I hate to admit this, but I am absolutely 1,000% in love with everything that CM Punk does right now. He is one of the best in the world, and I cannot deny that. It is absolutely fan freaking tastic. I cannot wait to see him every week. He's one of the people I look forward to seeing the most every single week. I love, love, love CM Punk. I don't care for him as a person, but I cannot I, 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 I can't get past the amazing stuff that he is doing every single week in AEW. I love it. I love it. I love, I cannot wait to see CM Punk every week. I just can't wait. It's that good. Um, decent match with Lee Moriarty, nothing special, but it was fine. And of course there was another great MJF promo. The Britt Baker stuff was kind of weird because like I could tell he was reaching there for that. We all know that Britt Baker is, you know, is, is in a relationship with Adam Cole and you know, CM Punk is married. So I thought that was kind of weird, but everything else about the, the promo was great. And then I enjoyed the match with Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander. I thought this was a good match. I wish they had a little more time. But overall, good match. Um, great to see Ruby Soho get the win. Um, I hope I'm hoping she'll at least be in the finals uh, for the TBS Championship because I think she's great. Okay, let's get to the crap, and boy was there a lot of it. All right, we start with Brian Danielson. Now, maybe I'm one of the rare people that isn't on board with this, but I cannot buy Brian Brian Danielson as a heel. I just can't. It doesn't work for me. The Brian Danielson as a heel does not work for me. I don't believe it. It's not believable. It's forced. It's, you know, it's, I, I don't like it. I don't like Brian Danielson as a heel. I don't think it works. I can't deny his talent in the ring. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I think his match with the Allen Angels was good. Um, I think Brian Danielson is, is, is an expert in the ring. I, that part about it, I have no problems with, but I, I'm just not by him as a heel. Also, the stomps to the head is really dangerous. Like when he keeps stomping him in the head, that's really dangerous. And they need to be very careful about that. But as you'll see later in the show, they throw caution to the wind when it comes to stupid, dangerous crap. And we'll get to that near the end. So not quite buying Brian Danielson as a heel. Looking forward to his match with Adam Page, though, in a couple weeks. I think that's going to be great. Good God, the Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy segment. I, uh, I, all right. We start with the Adam Cole entrance, which I love. I mark out every single time when I hear, you know it's all about the boom. I love that. I mark out for it every time. I love Adam Cole. He is my second favorite performer, well, third favorite performer in AEW, besides MJF and um, Britt Baker. Um, Nah, well, no, I'd put Baker at three just because of how underexposed she is, and i put Adam Cole at two. Um, I love Adam Cole. I think he is, uh, I think he, the world is his oyster, Unfortunately, he's being booked with, with stupid, horrendous, crappy segments with stupid, horrendous, crappy performers like Orange Cassidy and the Young Bucks. I, 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 okay, this was some of the most awful shit I've ever seen. Pockets comes out, does his little, uh, uh, and the cra- here's the stupid thing: the crowd marks out every time Pockets does the thing where he does the fake kicks or whatever, like the crowd just goes apeshit for it, which means that Tony Khan is going to put the world title on this idiot at some point. Um, and Okay, and then again, I just go back to look at your champions. Uh, let's just imagine for a second that Orange Cassidy was the world champion right now, and let's compare him to other champions and other promotions, all right? Roman Reigns, Big E, um, uh, Ilya Dragunov. When Valter was the champion, Valter. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, you know, it just, it's like those kinds of folks. Uh, and then Orange Cassidy, like really cool. And you know, it's going to happen. Cause you know, Khan's going to put the title on this moron at some point. Um, so it's going to happen. But anyways, you get this awful segment. Adam Cole is being wasted in AEW, but he didn't like what WWE was going to do to him. And to be fair to Adam Cole, if the reports are true, what they were going to do to Adam Cole I don't blame him for leaving either, Um, because WWE is not great right now either. Um, Like it's just not. But so I get him leaving. It's just a shame because he's being booked in these horrible comedy acts with the most overrated tag team of all time in the Young Bucks. Uh, I hated this. The that was stupid. The Adam Cole Tony Schiavone stuff is kind of funny because of uh, you know Cole's or Schiavone's relationship and kind of weird interactions with Britt Baker. So that's kind of funny. But this was some of the most awful, stupid stuff I've ever seen. I hate Orange Cassidy. I hate the Young Bucks, and Adam Cole is being wasted. Uh, the Wardlow Squatch match was fine. Not much to say there. Then we get to Sting and Darby Allen versus the Gun Club. A decent match. Our, uh, Darby Allen is a superstar, and Sting did fine. But please, 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 for the love of God, get Darby Allen away from Sting. I know this. I know I say this every week, but. They've got to get him away from Sting. He doesn't need Sting anymore. Darby Allin has established himself as one of the top stars in AEW. Get him away from Sting. Also, oh my god, Tony Schiavone is so annoying with the It's Sting! Crap. It's, they're trying to recreate something from 30 years ago. It's stupid. Stop it, Schiavone. You suck. And Chris Jericho is being attacked backstage. Where's the inner circle? I don't even think we saw... Them on TV this week. I know we didn't see Guevara or Sant- Yeah, we didn't see any of the inner circle this week on TV. Why? Are, where were they when Jericho was being attacked? Booker of the year, pal. I'm not. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be thinking with the Leo Rush promo. It was so boring. Like he just comes out and has this interaction with Taz that fell completely flat on his face. The crowd wasn't into it. They didn't care. Um, no altercation with Dante Martin. It was just weird. I don't know what the hell I was supposed to be thinking there. Same thing with the (coughs) Thunder Rosa Jade Cargill promo. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be listening to and thinking of here. Made no sense. It was absolutely ridiculous. So I hated both of those promos. And finally, Cody versus Andrade El Idolo in the main event in an Atlanta street fight. Okay. The match itself was fine. It was kind of meh. It was your basic street fight. Believe it or not, I actually had no problems with it. It was just your basic street fight. Just the character development is no good. Um, Cody just needs to turn heel and get it over with. Um, So it was fine. I was just like, nah, fine, whatever. Um, I think they took some unnecessary bumps. Cody took a shot at Triple H with the sledgehammer. But, nah, fine. Until we get to the end. They lit a freaking table on fire for what? What? To get some pointless, useless meh, to get Cody over in his hometown. Do they realize they could have burnt? What if that spot didn't go well, and Cody and Andrade accidentally set themselves on fire, burned themselves, whatever? It was a stupid, unnecessary spot, a stupid, unnecessary risk to try to put themselves over in front of these freak, mud show, mark wrestling fans that pop for a guy. Touching another, lightly kicking another guy in the shin. Like, you're pandering to that audience? Give me a freaking break. This was a waste of time. This was awful. I hated it. It was unnecessarily dangerous. And AEW should be ashamed of themselves for letting this on television. They should be ashamed for letting a bunch of this crap on television. And it's a shame It's a complete shame and slap in the face to the wrestling business that this bullshit gets allowed on television. Seriously, what the fuck is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW.
3: Thank you, Brother Carter. Sir Derko flew off the top rope in this week's <laughs> What the Hell's Wrong with AEW? <laughs> I love you, my man. Uh anyways, welcome everybody to what the hell is wrong with AEW a.k.a. What isn't wrong with AW Joshi portion? Um <laughs> There's a lot to get to. Um I mean going back to what I said last week in this segment, who says no backstage in AW i i would like to know i I'm, I'm really curious like who says no to some of the stuff that we see on this television show each week um so let me go through this really quick um let's we'll, we'll start off from the beginning why not let's start off from the, uh, the main event of the show Cody Rhodes against Andrade El Idolo as my guy John Did Hood said last night in his review Cody has to be Dusty, <laughs> like father, like son. They'll do anything for the pop. They'll do anything for the pop. They can't, they can't live with themselves without getting cheered in adulation. So, by the way, this was a Duluth Street fight, not an Atlanta Street fight, but a. Well, we can't be technical here, right? I mean, this is the company that's going to write all the ills of the WWE, right? Um, <laughs> so I'm watching this match. And again, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think Andrade is highly overrated in the ring. And Cody is what it is. And I thought it was a brave choice for this being the main event. But also, I was not surprised by it. Because if you're going to do a stupid-ass spot as they did towards the end of this match, then obviously this is what you're going to close your show off with on the air. Um... You know, I do remember commercials say that CBS is more of a family uh, type of network. I don't know how the families are going to feel about flaming table spots in 2022. But I'll, <coughs> I'll leave that out for Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez to justify that. Because they are part of the creative team after all. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm watching this match. And again, you do this dumb reverse superplex through a flaming table. And Andrade's kicking out, and look, I get it; he's selling the fact they went through the flaming table. But he's
1: literally kicking,
3: he's kicking out as Cody does the pin. You know what I mean? And it's like, what are we doing here? And unnecessary blood, unnecessary table spot, and nobody goes over, and you have basically a dud going off the air. Honestly, who's this benefiting? Is you re- are you really expecting people to cheer Cody more because he did a flaming table spot? What what's next? He's gonna have Andrade do the hammerlock DDT into dump tax next week? Hell, you can have you can have Cody Rhodes do anything in, in the world. You can have him cure cancer. You can do a bunch of different things. Hell, you can have Cody cure COVID and these fans are still going to boo him. Just turn already. You're delaying the inedible. Nobody wants to cheer you. Stop lying to yourself. We got to do this dumb main event for what? This is how you send the crowd home. A flaming table spot. Really? That we're still doing flaming table spots for what? A match that we saw two weeks ago warrants a flaming table spot? Really? Like, I don't get it, man. I really don't. I really don't. Um, let's turn out some of the points that Burke Carr mentioned on the show. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm sure the Bryan Danson match with Heyman will be. Really good, but everything between them as far as the promos and stuff like that has it's, uh, it's been hit and miss with me. Him running through the Dark Order does nothing to me because everybody runs through the Dark Order. Uh, it's it's not impressive. You're just patting Brian's stats before his match with Heyman Page. It's really next to nothing. I, I Don't get wrong, I love Alan Angels. I think he has a bright future ahead of him. I enjoy transcribing his matches, but from a storytelling aspect... Him running through the Dark Order when you've had this run through your other feuds with the Dark Order, it's not impressive to me. Kenny Omega, Kenny Olivier ran through the Dark Order. Brian Danson's running through the Dark Order. So Brian Danson has to become a heel because Olivier is taking time off of television. That's, a, that's an interesting choice. Now, like I said last week, I don't I don't consider Brian Danielson a heel. Brian Danson is Brian Danson. He's a Whole Foods prick. That's who he is. That's his character. So, yeah, Hangman Page and Brian Danson at Winter is Coming. Awesome. Should be a fantastic match. Um, not. They haven't made me interested. I'll be interested when the match goes down, but heading into it, not so much. And Brian Danson fighting John Silver next week. Okay. Same result's going to happen to him. And I I don't know about that. Come off the heels of what I thought was AEW's best promo of the year uh, with CM Punk and NGF. We had CM Punk in a match that I went I thought went a little bit too long for my liking. Uh no offense to Lee Moriarty. I've transcribed all this match so far from stuff from AEW Dark and stuff like that, but, you know, going back to what I said last week about Tony Schiavone being full of cap, like, you would think that him beating Nick Camarado is like Lee Moriarty beating uh, Kane in his prime during the Attitude era. Like, justifying Lee Moriarty beating Nick Camarado on Dark as warranted the opportunity to fight Steve Puckett just Funny to me. You know what I mean? And it goes back to the story that they're telling last night with MGF. You know, he's like, you're you're struggling to beat QT Marshall. You're struggling to defeat the Zack Saber Jr. rip-off in Daniel Garcia. You're 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 struggling to beat Lee Moriarty. Everything that's been said so far, it's been MGF and CM Punk too. MGF has been schooling uh, CM Punk on a microphone. And I I hate saying that as a punk guy, but it's the truth. So well, I have been enjoying the program between these guys, um, I thought the match with Punk and Moriarty was longer than it needed to. Uh, he's a good wrestler, and he's got a bright future ahead of him, but I don't think that match needed to be two segments. I, I just don't. Um, I don't know how to feel about the Redeemer stuff, Amir. I really don't. I, I want to like it. I uh, he has confidence with, in how he's carrying himself, you know, in that light. So I think that's good. But for me, I don't know. I, maybe it's just still the stench of him doing that dumb video game character. But I'm still indifferent on Miro. Uh, let's talk about other things that I'm indifferent on. Uh, we had Officer Bar Brady in the back uh, interviewing the Kobe God, and <laughs> we want to talk about suspending disbelief and stuff like that. Watch the backstage attack for 2.0 and the Zack Sabre Jr. ripoff on Chris Jericho last night. My God. Look at the punches they were thrown at him. Powder puff punches. Woof, <laughs> woof, uh, oofa, man. I tell you guys, after the CM Punk match and the whole stuff with him and Jeff, after, this show went downhill fast in a hurry. Uh, I did not care one bit about Sting and Darby Allin against the Gun Club. That match went way too long. Um, and I don't care that Billy and Sting had a reunion at the old-time, old-timers time club. I, I I don't give a shit about that. I really don't. Uh, what else on this show? We had Ruby Soho against Chris Statlander. That was the other match on the show this week that I liked. Uh that was a good match. Uh, we have Ruby Soho against Nyla Rose. Uh, in the semifinals, and then it's gonna be Thunder Rosa and Jay Cargill. I agree with Brent Carter that promo backstage with the both of them was weird. Um, what else on this <laughs> much show Outlaw Fest? Oh, may I be forgotten that we have a upcoming feud with Adam Cole, Billy, and Orange Cassidy. My God, oh Lord. Lord help me. Um, okay, so I, I'm i a fan of Adam Cole. Uh, I think Adam Cole's up there as far as one of my favorite guys in AEW that's there right now. You know what I mean? I, I love Adam Cole's wrestler. I love him as a person, how he cares himself. But I saw this coming a mile away, especially during that terrible best friend's Bobby Fish-Adam Cole match for Rampage last week. Where Pockets, the whole set of parts of the match is him trying to put his hands in his pockets. You're not going to convince me, even if I'm blind, that Orange Cassidy is a main eventer. You heard me, Tony Khan? You're not going to convince me, even if I'm blind, that Orange Cassidy is a main event guy. That whole thing with him and the Young Bucks and Adam Cole on the stage and the, the, the lazy kicks Forever whatever was grade A homogenized Holstein bullshit, okay? It's like watching Matt Nagy trying to convince us that he's a good offensive mind. Like, just stop. It's not a good gimmick. And the fact that you have Adam Cole luring himself to have a feud like this, it's just ridiculous to me. I don't, you know, I take the reactions from the AEW crowd or the AEW universe uh, with a grain of salt because they'll cheer anything. They'll cheer anything. Hell, they'll even cheer fucking Ryback right coming back and attacking CM Punk for heat. This crowd will cheer anything. I'm sorry, I take that with a grain of salt. I'll just be honest with you guys. So that was ridiculous, but um, the last thing I want to mention here for what the hell is wrong with AEW this week is really this: Chris Jericho. With all due respect, my man, you need a break for television. You need to go home, and you need to stay the fuck home. On that note, my friends, that's what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. I want to thank you guys so much for hanging out with me with this week for this week's edition of the Who's Podcast. As always, I like I mentioned earlier, if we are interested and curious and wants to know what other courses you think would be good for DSU, we we'd love to know that. Hit us up on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media. Uh, you can find me also on Instagram at Josh Lopez94 That's J-O-S-H-I-E-Lopez94. Make sure to hit me up at Josh Lopez Music as well. Make sure to support Brother Carter, everything he's doing at DerekStouten.com. As always, make sure to bookmark our Pro Wrestling com. If you could, please leave us a four or five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And make sure to follow us on Spotify. Uh, we appreciate all the support for you guys uh, each week. And I'm, I'm glad and humbled for the fact that we're here to provide some entertainment for you guys throughout the weeks. And um, I hope this episode was up to your living. And hope uh, you guys enjoyed this podcast. And let us know what you think of the show. Um, Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. And always remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life for yourself. For Sir Brother Carter, I am Brother Adam. This has been episode 286 of the Who's Podcast. Enjoy Hard Times 2 on Saturday and NXT Takeover War Games on Sunday and all the New Japan action going on this weekend. I am the Nefarious Brother Adam signing us, signing us off for this week's edition of the Who's Podcast. We'll talk to you guys. Next week, have a wonderful weekend, and just remember, don't be a dipshit. Uh, Yes, sir.